Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you are listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And I've got somebody who would be familiar to you by now on the line. His name is the Pink Chief. It's Chris Long doing his third show now. And uh, I don't think we have anything uh, formal to talk about. I don't think you have a playlist. You're, you're like the king of uh, just flouting my format here. I don't know. I think you definitely need to expand your circle of friends, though, Brent. <laughs> it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? If, if this is my third time back already, we may need to get you in some kind of a program. Yeah, I can. Inter- introduce you to some, some folks. Yeah, you know? I really need to get out and meet people. I know what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what do you want to talk about today, pal? I don't what's know. Your, what's I'm your beef? Just, it's, it's afternoon uh, down here in Florida, yeah. but I'm still kind of just getting with the program. I had a very late night last night did um, you yeah well we you know I, I am i am one of the country's foremost uh rock journalists i know i, I know, know that about you did you know that i did know that, that. Did. I've, I've read about that yeah yeah it's probably something that i wrote a... <laughs> uh, so anyway uh so me and uh diana we uh packed the cooler and uh, headed down to Tampa, Florida yesterday mm-hmm. to uh, uh, cover, uh, review um, the Triple Bill uh, concert, amphitheater concert. What's better than an amphitheater concert in the summertime? You Not know? much. Yeah, yeah, especially if it's a great bill. And this was a, a great Triple Bill package deal. Uh, Don Felder mm-hmm. from the Eagle. Um author of uh, Hotel California, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, when you, when you write Hotel California, how much more do you really need on that resume? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but, oh, well, that's all right, Tom, but what else have you done? What else have I done? I wrote freaking Hotel California. So <laughs> that, that's impressive. Uh, and he was opening for, uh, Ario Speedwagon and Sticks Together. Oh, and Sticks. Yeah. That's a good little package. Yeah, dude, it was a triple triple threat, man. Hmm. And it was great, you know. I mean, people don't have uh, a lot of uh, disposable income these days, you know. But uh, the concert business for certain tours uh, is thriving because uh, you know, you've got promoters that are putting together very attractive package tours. Yeah. And this one last night, man, it was just more bang for your buck. Uh, it was just hit song after hit song after hit song, and the very eye-catching, colorful uh, live shows. And probably about uh, I don't know, ten, twelve, fourteen thousand people. You know, that's, a, that's a, good a crowd. that's a good draw. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's great because just looking around, because you know, I'm always looking for a story. You know? Right. I, I I may be at the concert, but. I could care less about the band on stage, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or or I care a lot less about the band on stage than uh, than I do about uh, the people in the crowd. Yeah. You know, that's where the story is. I, I don't have complete disdain for all rock stars, mm-hmm. just most of them. You know, okay. so when you get to a concert situation, the honest ones are the ones out in the audience. You know, and 
th those are the people I want to interview. You know, those are the ones I want to grab and pull aside. I'm, with with, uh, with my girlfriend, Diana, we're sitting there during uh, Journey, a Journey, uh, during uh, audio. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> They're all the same. Yeah, well, you know. So uh, we're sitting there watching Ario, right. and right next to me, there's these two 16-year-old guys. Right. And uh, they're they're rocking out. They know the songs. They know the words to the songs. Hmm. You know, they weren't with their parents. It was like they were on their own. It looked like me and my buddy going to see Sticks and REO, you know, circa 81. Yeah. And, uh, it was like a, a, a time warp, you know. And uh, uh, those are two guys I would have loved to have interviewed. I know, would love to chat with those two. Right. Yeah. And but the closer I leaned in to try to connect, the further down the road they moved. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the peak chief has to be a little careful how he engages with. I, you know, yeah, I can see that. With with my underage friends, you know, but you know, <laughs> a, a show like that, man, you know, everywhere you turn, it's a Brent Jensen book moment. <laughs> you know, before I knew you, you know, I was introduced to you through your work, through your first book and through all three of your books, what you focus on and what you nail to the wall so well is not so much uh, revealing a passion for music, although you do that probably better than anybody. What I find particularly fascinating about your work is your ability to uh, paint portraits of people and to tell people's personal stories. You know, the, the story is not the music. The story is how the music affects people and their lives, mm -hmm. you know. So a night like last night, I'm walking around and I got the 16-year-old the kid sitting next to me rocking out. And then, you know, on the other side is the, you know, the 50-something-year-old guy who's barely able to squeeze into his, you know, 1978 original pieces of eight tour shirt, <laughs> you know, sticks is on stage playing, you know, rock in the paradise. And this guy is, you know, sitting down with the lighter in his hand raised, you know, in one hand and then his face in the other hand. And he's like sobbing. <laughs> it's like the, religious, you know, sticks, rock in the paradise. And this guy is having this serious come to Jesus moment, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, that's some, that's somebody else I want to interview, you yeah. know, but you really don't talk to somebody, you know, when they're squeezed into a 1978 pieces of eight shirt, <laughs> sobbing with their lighters out, you know, you don't want to interrupt them in that kind of a religious moment. That's right. You know? And then, you know, uh, other guys, I, I mean, I saw two fellas last night, much older than me, mm. and, and I'm no spring chicken anymore, uh, paraplegics, mm. you know, by themselves okay. at the rock concert. I mean, what is that story? If there's anybody in that auditorium, that venue, that facility, who knows pain, who has had challenges in life, you know, mm -hmm. if there's anybody who's been shit on by life, 
It's that guy over there who's a paraplegic in a wheelchair alone mm -hmm. trying to navigate through the crowd so that he can see REO Speedwagon. You know, where's his medicine in life? His medicine is that, you know, encore of, you know, keep on loving you and to roll with the changes. Yeah. You know, that that's what he has. And and that's very pure and it's very honest. And it's those kinds of images, those kinds of movies that I see playing out at shows that that really moves me. It, mm -hmm. it moves me to heartbreak. It moves me to want to talk to people and get their stories. And you do such a great job of that. That's why I'm so honored to to not only be your friend, but to be a fan of your work and get to read your work because that's what you do so well with your books. Thank you. And that's why it's, it's always a treat when, because I approach a Brent Jensen book not from a place of me knowing you, um, but just as you being one of my all-time favorite authors Thank and you. knowing that there, there is a value in that Brent Jensen brand and that payoff is that I'm going to get great personal stories about real people. Sorry, to, to your point, you know, I, I completely agree. I think the real story is how the music lands with the listener and the individual. And, and certainly you're right. There's a, there's a million stories, obviously, in a setting like that. I certainly would have approached one or two of those people, um, you know, just to get their tack on, on why they were there. The 16-year-old's. What was the driver there? You know, how did they know all the words to an REO Speedwagon song, and why were they so into it? You know, that's fascinating stuff. And I wanted to find out, and I, and I, I wish I was trying to be funny, you know, but the the further I leaned in to try to engage, <laughs> those kids were definitely moving further and further down the down the road. But uh, yeah, the Pink Chief's uh, not for everybody. No, definitely not, and, and you know that. <laughs> I do. Well. You know, and, and that's that's what I'm I find so fascinating about your podcast, and that's why I'm a fan. I I don't just listen to your podcast when I'm on. You know, I mean I'm 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 sold. You know that that Brent Jensen brand. You know I'm sold. And when I tune in and I listen to your shows, just the, the stories, not only from your 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 guests, but uh, about how they feel about the. You know, not just songs making their skin vibrate, but just really deep, personal. You know, it, it goes way beyond just lists, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just very real. That's what it's about, man. That's what it's all yeah. about. Yeah. You know, I'm going hey. to have to start paying you soon for all of these accolades. You realize that, right? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a fact, you know, because there's <laughs> so much. Listen. There's so much bullshit out there. There's, you know, when you find that honest band with that honest, that honest, I don't know, uh, I was going to say that honest politician, but I don't <laughs> think there really are any on, on either side. You know, that honest writer, just that honest artist, an honest friend, when you find something real, you find something genuine in this, you know, sort of emotionally kind of bankrupt world you live in you know i grab i gravitate towards that and really hang on to it so there you go thank you i appreciate it yeah 
not ju- not just throwing throwing praise out there. You know, it's just when when something's real, you know, you gotta you gotta uh, offer up props. You know, so there you go. Thank you. I wish you could you could hang out at work with me. I I DJed. I've been a DJ in clubs uh, uh, for gosh thirty five years. Yeah. And you come down and spend a weekend with me in the DJ booth, and you're gonna walk out after one weekend. You're gonna walk out with two books. I've discovered in in the the bar business, you know, you got guys that'll come in and and they'll they'll bitch to the bartender about their, you know, their their mother-in-law and the the the, the kids and their wife they can't stand anymore and the you know the pressures of their job and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that, you don't really get to know somebody. You you get to know you get to hear them bitching but you don't really get to know them the guy who knows people best in my case the dj you know or the piano player i mean what about billy joel piano man Mm -hmm. you know he had the his finger on on the pulse of real people yeah piano man he wasn't the bartender you know, he was he was had his own unique perspective, and that's been been kind of my life the last thirty five years. You know, I've been involved in a lot of different things, but what has consistently paid the rent has been uh, DJ work. You know, mm-hmm. doing private events and more particularly the nightclub business. And you spend some time in the nightclub business as a DJ, mm-hmm. and you you see some stuff, you hear some stories. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a, a guy, great guy, I don't know, I'm going to say probably mid-50s, and he'd come into this little club where I DJ mm-hmm. uh, every Friday night, every Friday night, mm-hmm. and all we talked about was music. No politics, no bitching, you know, it, it, and it was him sharing with me. Yeah. I didn't know that he had cancer. Oh. I didn't, I didn't know that he was sick. This is about a year ago. All I know is that uh, I love this guy, John. Mm -hmm. I look forward to seeing John every Friday night. I knew where he sat at the bar every night. And as soon as he sees me come through the door and go into the DJ booth, he'd come up to me, give me a big hug, and we talk about music. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and when people reveal their passions about music, they're really telling very personal, passionate things, revealing very personal, passionate things about themselves. Yes. Because they're not bitching about the job and the old lady. They're sharing. Mm-hmm. So when when I, I, I come to work a week later and I, well, John's sick. He's got cancer. Oh. Uh, and then the next week later, John died. Oh, wow. What? So, yeah, it was very advanced. Uh, he had a, a shaved head anyway mm-hmm. and wore dark glasses and so so you know he could have been going through treatments mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have noticed like you know when i've had family members who have been sick and going through treatment going through treatment so so he could have you know very well just been as sick as can be and i wouldn't have known it mm-hmm. by looking at him and he sure didn't share it the funny thing is when when he died uh they had a little memorial service at the bar mm-hmm. People knew where he was from. They knew where he lived, but they didn't really know deep personal stuff about him like I did. Yeah, you know, you know, when you're in the 
the, the the privacy and the sanctity of the DJ booth. You know, that's like a the confessional. Yeah. You know. Yeah. People come to really, you know, get things off their chest and and not just to like I said, not just to bitch, but when they just want to share, and they just want somebody to to listen and and have a a different sort of uh, interaction. So I I I, I learn about people's families and. You know, the, the girl who comes up every week for five years, every Friday and Saturday night, requesting classic disco. And then she comes up to me the one night in tears. My marriage is breaking up. And she stands at the DJ booth sobbing, sobbing for an hour, sharing with me on, on how her marriage is breaking up and how that's going to affect her children and so on and so forth. And that's the kind of stuff that people reveal only when you have a really honest and pure relationship. And, 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 and sorry, what do you, what do you think contributes to that purity and honesty? Do you, they, they clearly find you a, a confidant. Do you think that that's, you know, is the music a conduit into that or, you know, what is it? Yeah. Also, I, I think that's a big part of it. Also, your favorite music doesn't lie to you. Mm -hmm. Do they see you as a, they, maybe they see you as a physical embodiment to, you know, something that they, you know, hold very dear and, and love, right? Being, being music. Absolutely. Because your average Joe mm -hmm. really has, I don't know if I say they have no knowledge of, but they have no interest and no appreciation musically for the most part for anything outside of their little personal box mm -hmm. anything outside the sphere of their six immediate friends mm -hmm. i mean i i remember being punched in the face my first dj gig guy comes up i don't know i'm playing a zeppelin tune and mm -hmm. he, this is probably 1979 and he's with his girls and probably wanting some donna summer track and yeah. here's this long-haired guy i'm 17 dj in the high school dance and here comes the uh the, the quarterback of the high school football team walks right up i'm this little guy you know they don't call me the peak you don't call rosie greer the peak chief you know <laughs> somebody like me that fits you know so here comes the, the the quarterback of the team walks right up to me and freaking knocks me out no square in the face very upset just over the song playing, you know, uh, because it didn't make sense to him. That wasn't part of his immediate little world. Mm. Uh, I've been threatened at gunpoint more than once. That's why when I DJ, mm -hmm. I'm like one of the guards at Buckingham Palace, you know, yeah. just not showing any kind of emotion, trying to disconnect uh, from the, the music aspect as much as possible, but yet connecting uh, as much as possible to the people themselves when they come up. Because, you know, if it looks like you're enjoying yourself too much, then that's an indictment that you like that. Yeah. And that's not part of my, you know. So I've been threatened by gunpoint, at gunpoint, more than once. Wow. Um, do you see, hey, 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 you, you see that guy sitting at the table right there? He's got a, whatever, I don't know anything about guns. He's got a, you know, a Smith & Wesson or whatever mm. between his legs under the table pointed right at your effing head. <sighs> and 
this doesn't change now, he's going to blow your fucking head off. Wow. Become a DJ, they said. It'll be fun, they said. You'll play <laughs> people will dance, they said. It's going to be good times. So, you know, I've uh, faced, faced that. Yeah, because of my personal connection with people, Mm -hmm. they will associate me with whatever is in their personal sphere. Yeah. You know, the girl whose marriage was crumbly to her, I'm the disco guy. Yeah. I care about her so much as a person, she knows as soon as I see her come walking through the door, she's going to get her nightly playlist. Yeah. You know, and and that that draws her closer to me. And... uh, you know, at the end of the night, that's all I care about, you know, was uh, how did I respond to opportunities to, to connect with, with people, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a guy, gosh, this was probably 20 years ago, mm-hmm. a res- resident DJ at this club. I had a, a Tuesday night residency, some nickel beer night kind of promotion or something. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy, uh, a guy named Kevin who would come in, uh, looks like a, a bodybuilder, a uh, weightlifter guy you would see at the gym, you know, with the super tight short shorts and the muscle shirt, you know, and picking up heavy things, you Uh-oh. know. here comes another uh, punch in the face. Yeah, right? <laughs> and and he had the tiniest little Mike Tyson voice. Okay. So he's this big bruiser that you think would just walk up and, you know, beat your ass right right right. and he would come up every tuesday night every tuesday night hi chris can you play me that song by the bee gees (laughs) he loved the bee gees so he would come up to me this you know burly looking guy with this tiny little voice and he was so sweet and so kind and just such like this delicate little fragile creature and we talk about music every night and disco and you know all that sort of stuff and then um the one night we had been hanging out and i played him his songs and he went home and he murdered his girlfriend oh wow i did not see that coming he apparently had just broken up with uh, with a gal and she had started to see somebody else he wasn't happy about it went to her apartment kicked the door down with a hammer and beat her skull in Wow. Yeah. wow. We don't see much Kevin these days. Uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's being taken care of in a facility. Wow. Um, and uh, so these so, uh, these are the types of folks that you are exposed to day in and day out as a DJ. And you know, it's funny because you, if I thought in your line of work the the clientele or the patrons that you'd have to deal with it'd just be you know maybe at worst people who are just annoying and they're drunk and they're saying you know play this or play bruno mars or blah 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 and that's as far as it goes but you know i I really fail to realize the 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 deeper gravity of it is that you could have somebody who you know wants to be a real asshole and and says i'll blow your brains out when you leave the bar you know i'll be waiting for you outside or whatever well that's why i'm as sensitive to racism Mm-hmm. as I am. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, just because racism is, is, is so dark and ugly mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. It, it, it blows my mind how people dance around the N-word mm-hmm. because when you're a DJ, at least for me anyway, and they don't say the N-word, I get the word, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. almost on a nightly basis mm-hmm. still. 
the, in the 50s when the guys were breaking the records and talking about that jungle music and all that, that mentality is still alive. Mm-hmm. Even racist rednecks are smart enough usually to know who to reveal that to and who not to. Yeah. But for some reason, they think the DJ is somebody that you need to reveal that to. Yeah, I could see um, that. I mean, and, and it it doesn't take much, you know. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a heavy urban hip hop tune to bring those horns out of people, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's it's not your your buddy telling a slightly off color joke around the water cooler, although that may be insensitive, you know. I I got a guy standing in front of me ready to punch me in the face because of, you know, that music. I could, you know, see. in in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I mean. It, it's it's so horrifying, you know. I I I I see that stuff, and it's 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 frightening, you know. Yeah. Stuff you know people will will say to me, they won't say to 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 anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now I wonder if if it's because they feel that you're a confidant, or because they don't feel like they're going to get challenged on it. Uh, I think that's really what it is, because at that point they naively tune everything and everybody else in the room out mm-hmm. and then it, it just becomes me and them and uh you know and i i'll out people on the microphone right there it's like <laughs> really <laughs> really you racist son of a bitch you're gonna come up to me and say that you know which is Good really you. yeah you know the last guy you want to start spouting stupid stuff to and being threatening to is the guy with the microphone. That's right. When I used to drink, it used to really get ugly. I have a little more, uh, I'm a little more in control of handling situations now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It used to be really, uh, it could get very volatile in the, in the, in the past, you know, (laughs) you know, we had a a guy in one of the clubs, uh, the other day is, uh, wife passed away mm-hmm. and somebody says well yeah you know it's uh uh johnny i'm like well johnny who well you know jo-. and it's like he was married to kathy you know and Ka- <laughs> i don't i don't know wives names i just knew that the guy really loved dire straits in the alan parsons project yeah and and that's all i need to know guy comes up to me and uh he's like thank you thank you thank you for Thank you for playing my songs. He's like, yeah, man, no problem. And he's like, um, you know, I, I'm not a smart person. I'm, you know, uh, I'm just a drunk. <laughs> People will reveal this stuff to me. I'm not a smart person. I'm just a worthless drunk. And, you know, all I have in, in, in life really is, you know, this bar and some good music. And you always play my song, you know. I think, you know, and, and that comes from um, these people looking for validation and, and uh, some sort of redemption, I think. Yeah, so, and, and, and that's true, and, but sometimes it's just honest brokenness. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and that's what really spoke to me about your, your last book. Uh, all my favorite people are broken, and it's like, man, I wish I had come up with that. T- I mean, that, that title speaks into, you know, my life uh, mm. every day, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 for you to be able to to capture those stories so well, 
you know, and, and, and that's where I'm at. I just, I just have a heart for broken people. Yeah. And uh, my, my heart is not for clocking in and clocking out and merely uh, plugging the Jägermeister specials. Mm-hmm. You know, my heart is to, to be there for people and, and to, to listen to them and connect and, and try to help heal brokenness. If, if you were to come down and spend a weekend with me, Brent Jensen, you, you'd walk out with a couple of great books. Would I get a hug, too? You, you might get a couple <laughs> of hugs. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for calling in and sharing those stories with us. I really appreciate that. You are a man of compassion and fortitude. I don't know what any of it means, but I've just been thinking about people lately, you know, and I just wanted to, to share some of that. You know, people are bigger than the music sometimes. and People are always know, bigger than the music. I just, I just, I love people, you know, and I like to talk to you about loving people. <laughs> We're not going into a weird area, are we? No, but we are <laughs> going to talk about a new REO Speedwagon song. Are we? I don't know. It sounds like it would be a new REO Speedwagon song. Uh, it can be, I guess. It could be, yeah, exactly. So yeah. anyway, Brent Jensen, thanks for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're a good man. All right, this has been Brent Jensen and No Sleep Till Sudbury with my good pal, Mr. Christopher Long, the Pink Chief. Till next time, take good care, folks. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. <laughs>